Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com. Make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge and follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, John, Lutheran John, is not joining us today with some work stuff. We're trying to work out our recording schedule. Uh, so instead, with me is... It's Bradley Cox, lead pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. So what did we do in church this week? Uh, we did. It was a good Sunday. Roman uh, Romans 7. Finished up Romans 7. Uh, dabbled in chapter 8 a little bit. Yep. And uh, Pastor Keith and I tag team taught uh, from Romans 7 into chapter 8, which was really cool. Yeah. It was, a conversational sermon. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit different structure in, in that and, you know, Obviously, we're all used to, hey, one guy gets up there and says what's up for about 30 minutes yep. or 40 or if you're Jeff Durbin, maybe an hour and a half um, <laughs> or, <Mark Driscoll. laughs> or Driscoll. Yeah. Um, but this was like this was some you go for a couple minutes and then I'll go for a couple minutes. How did that come about? Well, what I wanted to do, I, I, I want to say this. I am a firm believer in, you know, one elder getting up and teaching for 30, 40 minutes or whatever yeah. your pleasure. Um, I think, I think the Holy spirit shows up in a unique way in the moment of preaching. And, uh, I think the proclamation of the word is always fruitful. Um, I think we wanted to change <laughs> it up at this point in Romans because, um, we, we've interpreted the end of Romans seven or the last half of Romans seven is that Paul is talking about himself in his, post-regenerate state, mm -hmm. not pre-regenerate. That's a debate. Is you know, is 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 Paul referring to his pre-conversion or post-conversion when he talks about I do the things I hate, I don't do the things that I love. Uh, we conclude from that text that he's talking about his saved self, um, and so that if you if you interpret it that way, this is a Paul being very vulnerable, very open, very transparent. And so we wanted to kind of capture that vibe with our two pastors having a conversation mm -hmm. about this, about, you know, where, because I think a lot of Christians, I've said this on the podcast before, a lot of Christians struggle with um, this war against sin that the scripture calls us to wage and our, our desires being renovated in salvation. We want God. We want righteousness. Uh, a truly born, born again believer wants the good things of God. They want to pursue holiness, uh, but yet we find this weak flesh and the power of sin in the world pulling us in the opposite direction. And uh, Paul's very vulnerable about his personal struggle in that. And so we just decided to get up and have a conversation about that. Yeah. Um, again, rooting everything in text, just like we would if we were doing a traditional sermon. But um, I felt like people connected with it really well. And I've heard some great feedback already from yeah yeah and and one of the things that you even prefaced it with is that was kind of a, a look into what you're doing throughout the week anyway is is you and keith are bouncing right. stuff and debating stuff and i've witnessed a few of those <laughs> yeah uh even taking part in a couple of those yeah. when when i happened upon them <laughs> right yeah, before yeah. we recorded and uh and it's you know like we don't nobody agrees on everything because we're all humans. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, I think it's important to be able to bat stuff back and forth and be like, no, you're wrong. Or maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and, and to do that on a weekly basis or, or even a daily basis in some cases, like that's, that's gotta be really helpful, uh, in crafting your sermons. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting, and I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, is that you know, our churches, we're beginning the process of adding some additional elders um, to our, our elder team mm -hmm. here at Res. And so we've been meeting with um, a mentor, a pastor in, in our lives, and having some conversation about that. And it, it's, it's an important part of what elders do in a church is to sit down and wrestle with text. Right. Um, and let the oversight of doctrine and the spiritual life of the church flow from that, mm -hmm. that wrestling. Um, and so that's, yeah, that is another way we, 
we contextualized it for the church is that, hey, guys, you're getting a little bit of a window into what we do throughout the week as we prepare to teach. Yeah. Now, not, obviously, don't get into specifics here, but are there times, I'm sure that there are, when one of you preach a sermon and then you come in Monday and one of you tells the other, like, dude, what was with that point? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, coming out of that kind of conversation, there have been times when I've corrected myself. Yeah. Um, before the church. Sometimes I really, I specifically let the church know, hey, I don't think I said this well. Yeah. I don't think I, I presented this well, and I want to make sure you understand it. In other cases where uh, something that I said or Keith said might have been a couple of clicks off, and it just feels like it needs clarity, mm -hmm. uh, we might come in and do that the next week a little bit more subtly. Um, but uh, but yeah, absolutely. There, there are times where we have conversations um, after a sermon. We're like, I don't think we dealt with that well. Um, sure. And then there have been, been times when it's like either he or I will come into each other's office ahead of a sermon as we're preparing and say, hey, what do you think about this? Yeah. And sometimes it's like, dude, you're on it. That's awesome. Or sometimes it's like that made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, but that's helpful. It's so helpful. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to discourage any pastor or, or teacher that's listening that feels alone in their preparation. But, um, but, but at the same time, I don't think any pastor or teacher should be alone. Right. And if you don't have, you know, a body of elders, a group of elders in the church that you, uh, that you're a part of, that you can lean on, uh, my encouragement is to pray and ask for those relationships, even if they have to come outside the church so that you've got at least one other person that you can sit down with that is, you know, apt to teach, you know, I'm quoting yep. Paul here about elder qualifications, apt to teach and can refute false doctrine. And you can have conversations, honest conversations, uh, to make sure that we are doing right by the word of God. Yeah. And that's, that's really a, a good segue into what we we're going to talk about. I didn't have to rely on a cheesy segue this week. <laughs> that was perfect. So, so you're welcome. Did you plan that or was that? No, actually that just happened. So uh, we're going to talk about a couple of the controversies going on right now in the in the wider church world. Um, so the the social justice and the gospel thing has really been a hot topic lately, uh, and specifically in the reformedish circles. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a statement uh, put out late last year, a uh, statement on social justice and the gospel. You can read it at statementonsocialjustice.com. Uh, one of the helpful paragraphs to kind of tee it up uh, from where they're coming from says, specifically, we are deeply concerned that values from secular culture are currently undermining scripture in the areas of race and ethnicity, manhood and womanhood, and human sexuality. The Bible's teaching on each of these subjects is being challenged under the broad and somewhat nebulous rubric of concern for social justice. If the doctrines of God's word are not uncompromisingly reasserted and defended at these points, there's every reason to anticipate that these dangerous ideas and corrupted moral values will spread their influence into other realms of biblical doctrines and principles. Now, stemming from, or I guess that led to a, uh, a Q&A at the Shepherds Conference at John MacArthur's church. Um, Phil Johnson, who is known to be pretty blunt, <laughs> if, if, if any of you are familiar with him, like he can get really blunt uh, and he can actually sound pretty angry, even though I think it comes from a good heart ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the panel was Sinclair Ferguson, who really didn't say anything for the first 45 minutes because he's Scottish. Mm -hmm. And this is really an American conversation, which yeah. I think probably says a lot. It does um, say a lot. And then the other participants on the panel were Albert Moeller, mm -hmm. Mark Dever, and Ligon Duncan, Furman graduate, by the way. Um, 
and uh, and John MacArthur was on there. So Phil Johnson and John MacArthur were both involved in the writing of the statement, uh, while Moeller, Dever, and Duncan did not sign it with various objections. Al, Al Moeller wanted, uh, I think he wanted more input, it mm. seems, because he talks about, that, and that was one of the points Moeller made, was he talks about this 25 minutes a day for five days a week on his podcast. Yeah. And uh, so it, it actually led to some tense uh, moments, uh, even to the point of Moeller saying, um, if you want me to make a definitive statement on these things in front of 6,000 people, quote, I'm sorry, I'm just not. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that actually kind of turned into a, some pretty good memes, by the way, in the, in the <laughs> Facebook meme world. Um, <laughs> but uh, then it got to the point of Mueller saying, if this is going to be a test of fellowship, this would be a good time to let me know. Um, but then you also had MacArthur kind of rounding it out and saying, these are my friends. Yeah. And I love these guys, and I know their hearts, and I'm not going to get in a fight with them. Now, to an extent, like, I get like, yeah, we're, we're not going to, like, hit each other in the face with sledgehammers. But at the same time, some healthy fighting, like some, some debates, is necessary in these kind of situations, right? Totally. And uh, so regarding so let's let's take it away from the people involved. Like, they're all brilliant guys. I've read stuff by... All of them except for Ligon Duncan. Uh, I, I don't know if Phil Johnson has any books, but I've definitely read stuff by Moeller, Dever, and MacArthur. All awesome guys. Pretty all nice. really good exegetes of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking it away from them, how do we engage in this type of conversation of, hey, I see these issues in society. I want to do something about it but I don't know what to do. And everybody has a voice on social media now. So how do we go about that? Well, I think, I think we talked about this in a previous podcast, didn't we? Just the sort of the nature of the beast when it comes to our culture and not being able to have conversations where there are multiple sides to an argument and being able to express opinions without offending people. I mean, it's like we are so scared of being offended Right or offending, that we're not able to sit down and and look at issues and topics from all different sides and listen to people. Um, without we, we've lost the ability to have nuance in the conversation. Like right. even even in this conversation mm-hmm. where you have brilliant minds, mm-hmm. where James White, for example, I listen to that guy all the time, mm-hmm. um, and and he's that guy who when he debates and reads scripture. He's reading it in the original language and translating on the fly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and and so he's taken a hard stance against the social justice position. And then you've got guys, uh, and, and like we've talked about before, there's a spectrum. You've got guys like Eric Mason taking a very hard stance for it. And then you've got guys like maybe Paul Tripp or Matt Chandler who are kind of in the middle somewhere, yeah. uh, maybe acquiescing a little bit, and then maybe, maybe Mueller not but at the same time not getting on board with a specific statement. Right, right. And uh and so it's but but in our social media world it's become well you didn't sign the statement what's up. Yeah, yeah. And you know kind of going back to this whole thing we we don't know how to have nuanced conversations. We 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 tend to make things so black and white and because we do that, it makes enemies out of people that really shouldn't be our enemies. I mean, I love what MacArthur said that, you know, these guys are my friends. I love these guys. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into a fight with them over this, even if I disagree with them. Um, You know, I remember there's a a guy that I graduated from college with that now works for my dad, um, for my dad's company. Mm Mm-hmm. And he lives in North Carolina. We live in South Carolina, uh, so he works remotely. But he happened to be in town not that long ago. I guess it was maybe a couple of years ago. And my dad set up a lunch uh, for the three of us. And I hadn't seen this guy in a long time. But context, you know, he grew up, he's a pastor's kid, Mm -hmm. PK, in a conservative uh, denomination, same denomination I grew up in. um, And... Went to we went to the same Christian college. Mm-hmm. We served on the same ministry teams at that Christian college. Um, even 
a church that I worked in after we graduated and I was the worship pastor at that church, he came and played guitar uh, yeah. with, in the band. So why, I know why does he not play my pedals then? <laughs> I need to talk. I haven't actually talked to him about your pedals, but so anyway, I, I, I follow him on social media and he follows me. And so I had seen where there he, he's posting some things that give me the indication there's some liberal leanings. Sure. Uh, in his theology and, and on social justice mm-hmm. and stuff. So we have this lunch and uh, we sit down, we're just kind of catching up. And he, he casually mentions that, you know, he listens to podcasts a lot. I'm like, Oh, well tell me what you're listening to. And this is what, this was his immediate response to that question. I've just casually asked him, tell me what podcast you listen to. Yeah. Um, but he immediately goes there and says, well, I'm listening to some liberal stuff. Because mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't hate gays anymore. Hmm. And I said, I, that floored me. Yeah. Like that, that's where he went. Like he, he was almost anticipating yeah. that I was going to challenge him and that I was coming from a perspective that he is immediately defensive about. Yeah. And when he said that, he's like, he's like, well, you know, I'm not a conservative anymore. You know, I'm I'm more of a liberal, a more liberal in my theology because I don't hate gays. And I said back to him, I said, "Well, I'm I'm uh, not liberal in my theology, but I don't hate gay people either." Yeah, yeah. And see, and and that's where it ends up going is that if we take a biblical stance morally on on any kind of social justice issue, like you know, sexuality, uh, gender, things of that nature, if we take a stance biblically. Then, from a cultural standpoint, we get labeled as haters, right? Uh, and therefore, we can't have a conversation. We can't talk about things that are nuanced uh, because you know nuanced socially and culturally, mm-hmm. but not so nuanced biblically without being labeled as haters. And I think that creates problems out, you know, with the church relating to the world around it. Then also creates problems inside the church, like the statement I think um, articulated is that these kinds of, you know, ideas and philosophical um, approaches to things are, are kind of creeping their way into the church. And we've got to be careful about that. We have to guard against that. I think that's the point of the book of Jude. Mm-hmm. It's like you've got to watch for this stuff that's creeping in unnoticed. Right. Uh, we need to notice it and we need to make sure we we're clear about where we stand on these things. Yeah, and and we've even had these kind of conversations too. Uh, and this is kind of like a good personal, ex- practical example of, uh, like I started to kind of slide into some of this when when you see, and, and it's you know somebody can be shot whether it's by a cop or whether it's a cop being shot. Yeah. Uh, that video can spread like wildfire through Facebook. And that's, that's both a good thing and a bad thing. I think, yeah. uh, in that there's going to be greater accountability. You have a huge number of witnesses to the fact that it happened. Yeah. Like it can't yeah. get, it can't be buried anymore. Like right. that's a good thing. But at the same time, you can come to a snap judgment. You can. And, uh, and, <clears throat> And I was making some of these snap judgments before and, and it wasn't a, and, and obviously like you're not much of a sledgehammer guy anyway, (laughs) Uh, but at the same time, it wasn't, it wasn't, you're an idiot. Stop, stop even looking at these videos or thinking about these things. It was take a step back. Right. Right. Because I, I remember, I think, I think his name was Philando Castile when he was shot, mm-hmm. an African-American that was shot by a police officer. And there was another one uh, right at the same time. Yeah, it, I, seemed, it seemed like there were two or three, like, just right back to back. And I ended up, uh, you know, totally changing direction with the sermon one Sunday because of the incredible, just emotional roller co- or tidal wave, really, yeah. that came because of those things. Um, but I remember, Cody, I remember, and this might have been around the same time we had this conversation. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing the videos and watching the news coverage and the reaction on in media and social media of those police shootings. And I, I remember crying. Yeah. I remember feeling so brokenhearted 
for those families that lost those men, those young men, and really, I really just having like sort of a prayer bubble up out of me, like God, what is wrong with our world? Yeah, is this really what's happening? And and I I felt some anger about what I what at least the way it was presented seemed mm-hmm. like just racial discrimination that ended up in senseless killings. Right. But then, you know, I come back to the office and I sit down with the other pastor here at Res Church, Keith, who we hired him. We brought him on staff here at the church after he spent nine years, I believe it was, Mm -hmm. as a police officer in our city. Uh, Worked on SWAT teams, was uh, a part of Vice for a while, Mm -hmm. did undercover work, was a detective and investigator. Um, and just a, a street cop. I mean, he yeah. had a wide variety of experience. Did you sit down and talk to him about what it's like to be a police officer and be mm-hmm. in some of those situations? You get a whole different perspective. Sure. And that's why I tend to resist being a sledgehammer guy. And with it, it, it's not that the Bible is not absolutely clear in a black and white sense about morality and about, um, you know, how we are to think about sin and righteousness. It's absolutely clear. Uh, but there are, when, when you look at situations like this, there are multiple perspectives and none of mm-hmm. us have a 100% accurate view of what's true except God. No human being yeah. on the planet. Yeah, and, and Keith has been honest enough to be like, yeah, there's been times where he's had to change his perspective on some things. Some of those things, yes. Where, where perspective doesn't dictate reality. That's right. But, like experience is important. Right. And, and everybody having their different experiences can kind of coalesce mm-hmm. and kind of meld into, well, maybe here's a possible solution. That's right. Uh, but, but ultimately, like the big point is bringing it to the gospel. Uh, we were talking before you said, you know, we, we can't think that, you know, throwing a homeless guy a hot dog is uh, is actual kingdom work if it's not coupled with the proclamation of the gospel, right? Exactly, exactly. It, it's got to be coupled with the proclamation of the gospel. We need gospel understanding because just purely from a natural standpoint. Yeah. Here's what I know about myself. I am a, I am a white, 40, almost 42-year-old pastor. All I've ever done is work in local church. Mm-hmm. I have no clue what it feels like <clears throat> for an African-American to be stopped by a police officer, sure. a white police officer, approached by a white police officer. Um, <clears throat> I don't know the kind of fear they might fear, feel or you know, angst they might feel based mm-hmm. on things that have happened. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> At the same time, I have no idea what it feels like to be a police officer mm-hmm. in situations like that where they're just trying to get home alive, right? do their job and get home alive. I have no clue about either one of those things. And yet I could get on social media and rant till the cows come yep. home about that stuff and not do any, add any benefit to the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Nor am I doing, providing any kingdom benefit. Right. And, and that ultimately is where what we've got to start to do as the church is we've got to start to go, all right, what are the kingdom principles? What are the biblical truths mm-hmm. that guide me and help me uh, relate to the world around me when these kinds of social issues are creating so much tension? That, that's the question we need to be asking. Get, get back to what God says. Ultimately. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We, we've got to wrestle with it. We've got to address it. But we've got to let the authority of Scripture be what informs us because our perspectives are so limited. Right. And and I don't have a good segue for our ad. I tried to make a cheesy one out of all that. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I just failed. It's it's the sinuses. It's all the allergies right now. So, does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? Does God forget our sin? Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast. Stan, I call him Padre because he's my dad. 
thanks for the Y chromosome, and Trevor take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a conversation about spiritual matters. You can subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, and more. You can send your questions in to ask at all7days.com. Uh, or you can even voicemail or text them at 864-660-9473. Also, also, soon to be occasionally featuring one Bradley Cox. How about that? Yeah, we actually recorded this week. Uh, oh, yeah? An episode, yeah. <clears throat> I feel like I talk too long. I mean, the, you know... You get paid to. It's okay. Your, your, dad, <laughs> your dad wanted to cover... I think five episodes. Like yeah. I wanted my input on five episodes, and I had like 19 pages of notes, and I, I, <laughs> oh you know, I, 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 I just, I, I don't know. I went overboard, and so Stan, when you hear this, I apologize. We we did talk about recording, you know, and only addressing maybe two or three episodes going forward. So. For all the all seven <laughs> listeners, most of their podcasts are thirty minutes. The one that's going to drop, I think, three and a half so hours, is about forty-eight minutes. So, oh, that's uh, not too bad. That's not terrible. That's but, about uh, what we do anyway. That's about what we do. That's right. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, I would highly recommend their podcast. Your dad and Trevor are doing a fantastic job. Yeah, there yeah, it's go. a good podcast. You're, and and your dad's actually going to be here at Res to speak on yep. April 14th, yep. which is I'm excited about. Yeah, I think we're planning on uh I think we're planning on getting together for a, a little bonus episodes kind of surrounding that. Awesome. Maybe even get the three of us on that or something. I don't know. Um, maybe I don't know. We'll talk. We'll talk subject matter later. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, on to the other topic. Francis Chan. Um, he's kind of been a, a a darling to the broader evangelical world for what fifteen years now. Yep. Uh, Crazy Love, obviously, being his his most mm-hmm. uh, widely acclaimed book. Um, but he's kind of been getting into some some company that is causing a lot of head scratching, mm-hmm. um, a whole lot of questions, and I mean, there's there've been. S- like I'm all for discernment blogs and discernment ministry, but there are some guys who are just like, they're just heresy hunters and they want to anathematize everybody. So because of the guys that Francis Chan has been associating with, well, just the association, like the fact that he appeared on the same stage as someone apparently means that he endorses everything they do. Yeah. Um, so for, for context, he has been uh, speaking at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, whatever their conference is called. I forgot to write that down uh, since 2013. Mm-hmm. And for reference, Mike Bickle has claimed to have had a personal audience with Jesus in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord, that's not funny, but I'm <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh. Um and and most recently, uh, he he preached at the Send, which was a pretty big conference in Orlando, uh, drew about forty thousand people, but it was also a kind of a who's who of, oh that guy's crazy, yeah. um, even getting to the point of on stage saying <clears throat> that Todd White is a bold bold man of God, got a selfie with Benny Hinn. Um, there was a picture going around of him praying with Heidi Baker, etc., etc. Yep. Um, but at the same time, he was recently in a YouTube video for the Gospel Coalition decrying the prosperity gospel, talking about how dangerous and damning it is. Yep. Uh, so he at least seems consistent in that regard, yep. uh, which is confusing for a lot of us. Yep. Um, like. I'm personally pretty concerned, like hanging out with guys who pretend to grow out people's legs, like that's con man level type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I'm pretty comfortable saying that at least. Um, Maybe some people aren't. um, And that's, you know, we can have a conversation even about that. Uh, But Francis Chan put out a blog on wearechurch.com. We'll link it in the show notes where he really talks about... um, well, one, he says, you know, I, I had a, a pastor years ago tell me 
like I shouldn't just defend myself all the time because I'm sure you know from experience if you defended yourself against every criticism that's all you would do exactly um, I'm sure I'm sure you get criticisms in your email inbox probably literally every week right I don't know every week but I they, they come yeah you know they yeah. come yeah that, that definitely happens and and so I'm sure you respond to probably a good good amount of them I'm, yeah. I'm sure some of them are just kind of written off as you, you're crazy you were in our church once and i can tell that you're just trying to stir up trouble right that's right that's right right so what what our goal in discussing this is is not to i'll actually start at his very last paragraph uh which which should um which i think is really good even if it is confusing uh, with the rest of the blog is he says one final thought we should all be careful to guard against false teaching of any kind in the process of refuting false teachers however we can unintentionally falsely accuse good teachers that might be equally harmful to his kingdom God desires unity in his body so it is no small crime to bring division into the church like I think that's pretty huge, actually, mm. is is you even look at uh, God's law, the Torah, uh, to use the technical term, and and the primary function ultimately isn't just punishing evil, um, at least in terms of the, the civics. Uh, one of the big things is protecting the innocent. That's yeah, why that's right, why you have right. you can't bring a charge <laughs> unless you have two or three independent lines of witness. Mm-hmm. You can't just say hey, I saw this guy doing this one thing and then that guy be convicted and punished based off of what one guy said with right. no physical evidence. Right. So Francis Chan is being, he, he says we should be careful about saying this guy is a false teacher. Like there have been people who have accused John Piper of being a heretic because mm-hmm. he shared the stage with certain guys in the past mm-hmm. who happened to share a stage with this guy who shared a stage with this other guy. Mm-hmm. So then apparently it just becomes like the plague or something to, and it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that is too much. Well, to me, there's a difference between, you know, sharing the stage with someone, there yeah. being like a, a conference that you're invited to, to speak at where there are, other people on the docket that you might disagree with yeah. on something significant or big, uh, significant or small. Um, there's a difference between that and taking a selfie with guys. Yeah. There's a difference between that and endorsement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a difference between sharing the stage and actually being in fellowship with. Right. So there's, there's multiple issues here. Um, one issue is at what point does theological differences or saying that someone is maybe not a false teacher in general, Mm -hmm. but part of what they are teaching is false. Right. And I've, I've recently, I can't remember where I heard it, but, uh, I recently heard somebody say that there's even a distinction that we should make between a false teacher and a heretic where that's right, where, where if somebody's just teaching outright false doctrine and it's a large amount, like it's a, it's a really important thing might not be a core essential to the Christian faith. Then technically they could be a false teacher while not denying the absolute core of the gospel. Right. That's right. right. So I'll give you an example from my own life. Um, I, I, when I was in college, I got connected with a pastor who became for all intents and purposes, a spiritual father to me mm-hmm. um, at that point in my life. And one of the most loving, caring men uh, has such a heart and passion to develop young men who are pursuing a call into the ministry, uh, to vocational ministry. And it, he was huge in my life for probably the better part of 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even more than that, maybe 12 or 13 years. Um and I actually had him here to speak at Res a few times early in the early days. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the last times he was here, um, as my my theology developed, my understanding of the Scripture developed more and more and more. I began to realize that, you know, his his theology 
embraced what you might call prosperity gospel word of faith light. Mm-hmm. Like we always talk about these things are on a continuum. Right. And he, I would say he's on the lighter side of that continuum. Sure. But I began to realize that was true. And the last time I had him here to speak, it caused some confusion in the church because we weren't teaching that at all. In fact, it, it, the, the distinction between what our church was used to hearing taught and what he said the Sunday mm. he was here was pretty distinct. And, and questions came. I mean, most of the time when I get criticism, it's Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. Questions were coming to us Sunday at 1 p.m. Oh, boy. Okay, so it was like, wait a minute, what did this guy just say? And so here's what actually happened is I called him. I talked to him about it on the phone. We acknowledged our disagreement about some things. Uh, I wrote to him what I was going to do the next Sunday. I sent him a manuscript of what I did the next Sunday. He embraced it humbly and appreciated it. But we basically, myself and the other pastor, folks remember Pastor Seth Kane that was with us on a previous episode, um, we stood up and we corrected what he said the next Sunday. And since that time, though I still love and honor that man, mm-hmm. occasionally we'll text. Yeah. Our ministry paths are probably never going to cross again. Right. So there is a point at which, you know, there. this is another part of the issue. And I know we're we're doing pretty good on time. Yeah, right? we're all right. Um, and, and if we're not, they can deal with they it. They can deal with it. Um, <laughs> there, there's, there's so many layers to this. There's the layer of, okay, how do we handle it when someone that we see and we know, regardless of, of where this happens, it doesn't have to just be among... The, the headliners at the big conferences. Right. But in the body of Christ in general, when we encounter someone who is has some different theological views than we do, how mm-hmm. do we handle that? Yeah. And at what point do those differences compromise fellowship? Right. But then there is, I think, you know, Paul says, not many of you should aspire to be teachers. Mm-hmm. There is a difference between the general body of Christ and our fellowship and our discussions about different theological viewpoints. And then when the lead voices in the church, when, 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 when we're talking about significant theological issues, prosperity gospel, you know, not prosperity gospel, <laughs> uh, and, and leaders associating and having fellowship mm-hmm. with each other that are on different sides of that issue, uh, it's not that I'm opposed to that. I'm not opposed to them having conversations. Right. I'm not opposed to them even sharing platforms mm-hmm. and letting, uh, you know, letting an audience hear both sides. Yeah, sure. Right. I think that's that's a good thing. But when we endorse people, I think it as leaders it can right. create confusion, and right. I think that's where Francis Chan has crossed the line. Is it's one thing to go to a, be invited to a conference and take it as an opportunity to and interject biblical truth where there may be some false teaching going on versus taking a selfie and, and seemingly endorsing these people mm-hmm. because you're a lead voice in the church. I right. think that can right. create confusion. Right. So he, he says some, some <clears throat> pretty clarifying things. Uh, I speak in many places where I'm not in alignment theologically. I actually believe that that is where I can be most effective as long as... Uh, they give me freedom to address anything I believe the Lord wants me to address. I think that's kind of a big deal, yes, right? Like yes, that's absolutely. that's awesome. Uh, he says, I recognize now more than ever that sometimes my participation can give the impression that I align with every other speaker at the event. I'm not sure what to do about that other than to tell you that I don't. Uh, and this is, I think this is really helpful. Uh, unless the elders of my church direct me differently, I will continue to be found preaching in venues with those uh, I disagree. I will preach in just about any kind of setting if I'm given freedom to preach from any passage of Scripture. The elders and I are trying to come up with more safeguards for future events to hopefully prevent misunderstandings. Pray for us. So he's submitting himself to his elders and saying, hey, if there's a problem here, let me know. How big is that? I think that's huge. And I think I I have a lot of respect for Francis Chan. Um, I I do not think that anybody should be dismissing him 
uh, because of this. I right. just think this is something that I, I'm actually glad it's happening. If I'm honest with you, yeah, <clears throat> I'm glad that this this issue is coming to the forefront because I think it's important. I think we've got to begin to, as the church, capital C, to handle better our disagreements and our division, and it's 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 more mm-hmm. challenging in some ways than I think it was even for the early church because we don't have common shared leadership. Right. You know, if Todd, what's his name with the dreadlocks, yeah, wants Todd to go White. off and teach that Jesus is a three-headed dragon, well, he can <laughs> find himself some some elders that he's going to submit to that would endorse sure, that. And sure, He's going to get an audience, right? And mm-hmm. there's, there's really nothing that the, what you might consider the, uh, the broader evangelical world can do other than just sort of throw pot shots at it and say we know we don't we, we don't disagree we, we mm-hmm. disagree with this guy we're disassociating with this guy but that's not going to stop him from getting an right audience. And, right and because there's no mutual submission and that makes it difficult right so uh, another helpful statement I believe it is absolutely biblical to call out certain false teachers and beg people to run from their teachings. We see Paul do this in the scriptures. As I was growing in my faith, I was grateful for radio shows where false teachings were exposed. I have always wanted to be a person who did not shy away from controversy, boldly willing to call out false teachers. Helpful. I Very mean, helpful. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about certain dudes here every now and then. Uh, we, we just named a couple, yeah. <laughs> in fact. And, and that's okay to do, provided it's not simply an ad hominem attack. It's not just, oh, yeah, that guy's a crappy guy. Right. May, maybe he is, yeah. uh, but attack what they're teaching. Yeah. For, for example, when, <laughs> when years ago when Benny Hinn said that each member of the Trinity is a trinity unto himself, therefore God is actually a ninety. Like he actually said, and for the, since this is an audio platform, Bradley just shook his head and rolled his eyes. And <laughs> I mean, th- there are again, it's one thing. I-, I love the way John MacArthur and John Piper mm-hmm. have disagreed over continuationism and cessationism. Yeah. We talked oh, yeah. about that in a previous episode. Yep. Is that you know? Now I don't like the way. MacArthur handled strange fire. Sure. I do not like that. I think that that, that might be a topic for another episode. I, I, I don't think he handled that uh, in the spirit of mm-hmm. Christian kindness. I think, or, I, think I, there was, I think there was some helpful stuff there. Helpful stuff. But I think he came across a little bit harsh. I agree. Totally so. agree. But he and, you know, Pi- I, I, like I heard Piper, I think Piper was asked on an Ask Pastor John about strange fire. And Piper said something so beautiful. He said, you know what? John MacArthur's my friend. I love him. I, I so value the way he is committed to the scripture and expounding on the word and dealing well with biblical text. And he said, I'm never going to disparage that about him, but I disagree with him on this issue. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's one thing to have a disagreement over something like you might call a non-essential doctrine, right. like cessationism or continuationism. But it's quite altogether different, isn't it, when you've got teaching that is heretical, mm-hmm. is anti-biblical, yep. and though it might be coupled with biblical teaching, like, like, you know, you hear these guys teach prosperity, word of faith, gospel, which is another gospel. That's, mm-hmm. that's clear. Yep. Um, while at the same time, lauding Christ as the Savior of the world, the Son yep. of the living God, who died in our place... And that the only way to be saved and justified before God is to have his, his righteousness imputed to us. So that's true. Yep. But yet you've got this other piece over here that it brings into question the person's character. Mm-hmm. It brings into question the person's motives. Yep. Because this is an anti-gospel. Yep. It brings into question this person's qualifications. And right. So that's where potentially... Fellowship could be compromised. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we couldn't share the platform and, in a spirit of Christ-like humility, still come with grace and truth, right? Um, and speak and disagree without hating people, right? But there, there is a point at which fellowship. We got to have some conversation here because the association, particularly as leader, lead voices uh, in the church. Yep. Um, it 
creates confusion for people. Who, right. Who do I listen to here? And and I listen. I find this all the time. I find Christians who can in in the same brain hold that, for example, they can hold in their brain the truth where Jesus said, a person's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. Right. Okay, that, that right there dismantles the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. One sentence from Jesus, in my opinion, dismantles the prosperity gospel. Yep. They can hold that as true and at the same time listen to a Todd, what's his last name? Todd White. Todd White and uh, Benny Hinn, Creflo Dollar, uh, Kenneth Copeland, you know, John Hagen. I had a professor in college that called uh, Hagen and Copeland Copenhagen. Uh, <laughs> you, you, they, they can hold the teaching of those guys in their head as true alongside with what Jesus said. Right. And I'm like, how does that even work? Mm-hmm. You haven't thought through that. You haven't processed that. But right. when I think when you know these things, you know these lines cross and these leaders fellowship together, saying two totally different things, it can create confusion right. in the body of Christ. Right. And here's one last excerpt from this, uh, <laughs> which this was my biggest frustration. Uh, this line: I still strive to boldly call out false teachers but I have found it hard to collect accurate data. It's like, dude, go to YouTube. <laughs> you know? I don't understand why he said that. I don't I don't either. Like I get I get that, you know, certain websites have literally made stuff up about people. I remember I remember James White and Jeff Durbin being the victims of that a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, and that's awful, but at the same time like we we have Google. We're in the information age and it's actually easier than ever to dig up an in-context quote mm. from somebody, or not just a quote, but an entire sermon or Q&A session or what have you, yeah. that illustrates, yeah, this is the core of what of what I'm trying to put out there. Yeah, I, I don't understand why he says that. I don't know if, if I hope that's not some backpedaling. Um, right. Um, in order to uh, justify a certain level of fellowship, a certain type of fellowship. Right. I don't have a problem right. if Francis Chan decides to sit down for coffee with Benny Hinn and have an honest conversation. Sure. Um, but I, I just hope he's not backpedaling there. I have a lot, of, again, I have a lot of respect for Francis Chan. I love the way he handles the scripture. I love his commitment to the scripture. In every context I've heard him teach, I, I think he is biblically accurate. But... Um, I, 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 I'm praying, you know what I'm praying about this? This is how I'm praying about this. God, work this together for good. Yeah, absolutely. Work this together for good. Let, let the truth come to, to the surface in, in and through all of this. And yep. Mature your church, mature the body of Christ to better understand how we deal with false teaching, how we handle conflict, uh, how we handle disagreement. And do that in the way that uh, the New Testament instructs us to. Yeah. One and one final thought before we go on to our couple of rapid fire questions is is we're not writing him off as a heretic or no. uh, or saying that he's totally apostate. We're saying we're we're kind of concerned. Right. Um, he hasn't he hasn't taught anything apostate. Exactly. He's he's done some things that seem to cross the line as far as endorsement. Right. And and but we haven't heard anything come out of his mouth. But but as we talked before we recorded, um Todd Friel has said some helpful stuff for, on both of these issues where he said, "Well, let's wait and see." Mm-hmm. Like it's it's okay to wait. Yep. We're not used to actually waiting even 5 years to process through an issue. We want it done in a couple weeks. Yep. Or 48 hours even. Right. Uh, we want, as we talked about before, we want that snap judgment. Well, let's let's give it a second. Let's see where it goes. Hopefully, hopefully Chan comes back around. But even if he doesn't, even if he's still associating with some goofballs, and he's still preaching the true gospel, and he's and he's at a church that has the true gospel, well, then he's our brother, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, rapid fire. This one got garbled. 
when I recorded my solo episode last week. Zachary Saucier said, if John Knox and John Calvin got into a fist fight, who would win? Calvin. I got Knox all day, man. You got Knox all day? He was a bodyguard before he was a pastor. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. So that was that was the first one from last week. Okay. Which led to Ben Horton following that up with, if Zwingli and Luther got into a fist fight, who would win? Depends on how many beers Luther had. <laughs> well, <laughs> he, he who sleeps does not sin. Yep. He who drinks beer sleeps long. Yep. Therefore, let us drink beer. Let us drink beer. Martin Luther. <laughs> but Zwingli died in battle. He did. So yeah. I mean, you got to take that into consideration. And I thought of that. Yeah. If, if, if we're talking like a rap battle, Luther. Eight yeah. days a week. <laughs> if John was here, if John was here, he would definitely. Oh, absolutely. Say so, uh, a better, uh, or not better, but a, I guess you could say, more substantive rapid fire from Corey Truax, who go back and listen to that episode with him. With Easter coming up, should we treat it like a special Sunday in terms of planning and emphasis, or because we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday, treat it normally? Which could be an entire episode unto itself. It could be. I'm trying to think of a concise way to say it. Um, Corey, I think it. I think it's maybe not both and. I mean, not either or. It's both and. Yep. I, I think there are merits to emphasizing Easter Sunday, um, and then I think there are. There's certainly merit in you know acknowledging which we've done here at Res. Mm-hmm. Our name, Resurrection Church. Uh, <laughs> it's and, kind of out there. <laughs> yeah, and just you know, pointing out the fact that the fact that we worship on Sunday is, in and of itself, a pointer to the resurrection yep. every week. Yep. So, and it's and we don't, you know, like any good Protestant mm-hmm. church, we don't treat Easter as we get extra points for it. It's no, just that's no. where it is on the calendar. So right. it's it's Christian liberty to acknowledge the fact that in terms of when it happened in history during the year, mm-hmm. hey, let's acknowledge it. Let's have, you know, let's glorify God with it. Yep. Um, yep. Maybe it's a little more celebratory than normal, and that's okay. I'm okay with the church calendar. I am okay with, um, you know, the church having points of the year where mm-hmm. certain parts of the gospel are emphasized. Yeah. I think, you know, I asked the staff in one of our planning meetings for this year, I said, um, how much did you think about, celebrate, rejoice in, take great delight in the resurrection of Christ yep. this past week? Yep. That's awesome. And there were crickets. And so. I'm and I'm going to do to you what you did to me a couple weeks ago and hit the restroom real quick. Okay. Like, Pause, John. Recommended for this week. What you got? I was going to recommend a scripture um, for people to live in. Colossians 3, um, the whole chapter is great, particularly verses 12 to uh, 14. Okay. Um, just, you know, in talking about <clears throat> how to have conversations with people you disagree with, uh, I think these these words that Paul uses are so helpful and I'm I'm not going to take the time to unpack all of them Uh, we've already got a long episode but let me just mention a couple just to get people thinking in the right direction Paul says in verse 12 of chapter 3 put on then as God's chosen ones holy and beloved compassionate hearts compassion is something we need to think about first when there's a disagreement when there's tension when we're 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 struggling to, to find the truth Put on compassionate hearts. Compassion, empathy, same kind of word. This is the way I define it. Seek first to understand, then be understood. A lot of Mm. times when there's a conflict or a tension, rather than trying to endeavor to understand the other person first, where are they coming from? Where's their thinking rooted, right? We're not compromising truth by doing that, but we're just trying to understand rather than being understood Mm-hmm. First, uh, it's not that we don't need to be understood, but we need to seek to understand first. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, one of the values here at Resurrection is treasure hunting. Yes, the first time I you had ever put that out, and what what we mean at Res by that is we hunt for treasure in Scripture. 
Right. And, and that is... We anchor that to Jesus' exactly. parable. He said the kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in a field. Right, right. Literally the week before, I had been doing NAR research yeah. and had read something about their treasure hunts <laughs> where they just walk around waiting for God to speak to them, mm. to talk to a guy and heal the shoulder or whatever. Yeah. And so when, when you said that first... Obviously, the red flags go up, but it's like, wait a minute, I know these people. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, I know that's not what they're saying. I got to get past that, understand right. what they're saying. Understand what we're saying. You know, we, we, we use that to talk about our, our, our digging into scripture. Um, mm-hmm. We're treasure hunting. So seek first to understand, then be understood. And then he goes on from compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness. We could say a lot about those words. I'm going to mention patience is the next one. Mm. Patience in this context, I'm not in a hurry to be right. Right. It's like you were talking about, uh, what's his name that said, let's just let this thing play out. Let's see where this goes. We we don't have to be in a hurry to, to be dogmatic or to make a situation black and mm-hmm. white that might be nuanced. It might be black and white, but it might be nuanced. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we have to be in a hurry with those things. I think we can trust God to lead us. And then he goes on to talk about bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as good, the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Be patient with people. Mm-hmm. Be willing to forgive as we've been forgiven. And then above all these things, put on love. That's the goal, right? Right. Is that, yes, there are some people that fellowship is going to be broken because they've embraced something that is anti-biblical, extra-biblical, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes fellowship's going to be lost in that. Sure. But the goal in the church, among God's people, even when we disagree, mm-hmm. is love. Because Jesus said that's going to be the identifying mark of, of my disciples, and if we don't put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, mm-hmm. we're not going to pers- be able to pursue love, yep. which is what identifies us as Christ followers. So I would encourage everyone to just live, spend some time in Colossians 3. He, Paul actually goes on to get into marriage from there, which I think that's can be so helpful in marriage relationships oh, yeah. too. So. Yeah. So my recommended reading is The Discipline of Spiritual Discernment by Tim Challies. Um, it's a pretty good book. Not uh, It's not super deep, but it kind of gives the basics of how do we discern uh, what people are teaching or saying or promoting or whatever. Uh, it's rooted in a lot of grace. It's let's not jump to conclusions. Let's examine, be like the Bereans who were more noble because mm-hmm. they examined. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also Very going good. to uh, I'm also going to plug American Gospel Christ Alone here. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the one hour version is up on YouTube for free, and I just got the DVDs in. Awesome! <laughs> and I'm pretty stoked about it. Yeah. Um, so the first the first hour was absolutely fantastic. So the other the other parts I'm pretty excited about. I'm just gonna we've gone a little long here, so I'm just gonna skip all of the uh, outro announcements and just say, hey, here's my cover of Thrice's Cold Cash and Colder Hearts featuring the Osteen Distortion Spurgeon Hall Reverb. Thanks for listening.